Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And for today's Friday episode, I'm so excited to bring this episode to you guys because I personally learned a lot, especially in the health and wellness sphere. Today, I'm chatting with Caitlin Spears, a professional model turned certified health, nutrition, and fitness coach and founder of Complete by Caitlin. Caitlin believes we are at the forefront of a flourishing health coaching industry, and her goal is to bridge the divide between Western and holistic medicine. A little bit more about Caitlin, at the age of 18, she experienced a painful rejection in the final casting round of the hit show America's Next Top Model when she was told she needed to quote-unquote work on her body, which we talked a little bit about on this episode, by the way. That disturbing comment impacted Caitlin over the next decade as she struggled with body image, dysmorphia, and binge and restrict eating while continuing to work as a professional model. At 27, feeling unhappy and unfulfilled in her modeling career, she decided to pursue a career in health and nutrition. And today at 28, she holds certifications from the IIN Institute of Integrative Nutrition, Precision Nutrition, Ace Fitness, and is the founder of a successful health coaching business. Like I said, I personally learned a lot from this episode, especially around protein intake and the importance of taking it after your workout, when you should be drinking coffee in the morning if you do. Um, So a lot of great nuggets that I've taken away from this episode. I know that if you are interested in health, taking care of yourself, and especially holistic health in all forms, you will love this conversation. So with that being said, let's welcome Caitlin to the podcast. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to talk about wellness and health. It's actually been a while since I've had someone specifically talk about those topics, but I did read a little bit about your background and I'm super fascinated to start with all things, you know, from being 18 and being on the show America's Next Top Model. Can you kind of- I wasn't on the show. I was cast- No, so I was cast for the show and I did three months of casting and then I was cut before filming. Okay. Okay. So I misread that. I am still curious though. What was that process like, I think as a whole in terms of casting? And I mean, you were at such a young age where I feel like when you're a late teenager, you're still building confidence and you're still kind of working on self-image and all of that as we all remember. And so I'm really fascinated to hear what was that process like for you and how did that impact the years later to come? 
Yeah, I think when I was reached out, one of the casting directors reached out to us via email. And obviously we thought it was fake at first, went through that whole process. And once we knew it was real, I think my confidence really shot up. I was like, wow, these people, they, they believe in me. They think they think I can do something. This girl from, you know, a small town in Oklahoma, two stoplights, 2,500 people, very, very small life, lived on a, on a farm. Yeah. And so I think my confidence shot up. And then we did three months of this casting process, mm-hmm. Zooms with every single person who was a part of the show. Um, you had to send in videos. You had to get your visas and your passports and wow. NDAs had to be signed and all of these things. And so you feel like you're so close to just like getting something that, didn't even seem possible. Mm -hmm. And then literally a week before they were supposed to fly the girls to LA for filming, Mm -hmm. the casting directors let me know that they had decided to go in a different direction and that they recommended that I work on my body and try again next season. And I will never forget that email because I didn't fully understand what that meant. And I also took it in all of the worst ways possible. I'm not good enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. You know, you kind of just take what they say and you turn it into your own storyline. Yeah. And that's what I did for the next three or four years. I, you know, struggled with my body image, body dysmorphia. I struggled with a really bad eating disorder, binge restrict, um, eating disorder. And I struggled to just be healthy, to be healthy, to be happy. My anxiety was really high. My depression was really bad. And I don't think I really wanted everyone on the outside to see it because I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed that I had like told all these people that I might be going on the show and all of these things. And, you know, I came from such a small town. I didn't want to disappoint myself. And I was embarrassed to tell everyone else that I thought they would think I was a fraud Mm. or a sham. And so I spiraled. I spiraled for many, many years. Wow. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, my background, I was a competitive figure skater for 15 years. And so there's a lot of parallels in a little bit of body image and the, I guess you could call like the strictness in what you're eating is the the nicest way I'll put it. Right. And, you know, but I, I can't imagine just being told that and and having that kind of, I guess you could say like rejection at that time in life how did you slowly for like five years? So I'm thinking like from 18 to let's say 23, right? How did you start to shift your mindset? At what, or maybe I should rephrase it. Like at what point did you realize that a lot of it was not true? Like these things that you actually just poured on yourself of, you know, feeling rejected, feeling like you're not good enough and all these things. At what point do you remember that you realize like, oh, a lot of this is actually not true. And that it it came from like a mental state and shifting that. Yeah. So after that whole thing happened, there was about a three and a half year period from 18 to 21 and a half Mm. where I enrolled back in college. And then I was also modeling locally in like Oklahoma, Texas, surrounding States in the South Mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, local agencies and 
I kept getting opportunities presented to me like, hey, we can send you internationally, but you need to lose lose inches on your hips or you need to do this with your hair or you need to do this with your body. And it's just like, I couldn't get it under control for three and a half years. So I went back and forth between going to school, modeling, going to school, modeling, because I could never reach the point of just like keeping with the results I needed to maintain in order to live in that career. And also my mental health was just tanking. But about three and a half years in, I was at college and I remember reaching a point where everything around me was wrong. The people I was hanging out with, the things I was doing, Mm. the fact that I was even back in school where I did not want to be. I absolutely hated it. I was wasting money. I was working my butt off. I never had money. I was Mm. broke all the time, paying for school. Mm. And I I remember sitting, I tell people this story all the time. I was sitting in my Mini Cooper. I had a Mini Cooper at the time. And I was outside of a gym and I had a mental breakdown. And it was just one of those moments where you cry in your car for literally three hours. And it was just, oh, poor me. And then it was, oh, you know what? You're not, you're not a victim here. You're stronger than this. You can, you can wake Mm. up, you can pull yourself out of this. You have the choice, but you have to do it. I had to do it. No one around me, even though everyone was telling me what they wanted me to do and how I should live my life, they weren't doing it for me. So I had to wake up and I had to start doing it. And I'll never forget that moment because something clicked in me. And then from that day forward, I started taking little steps. Yes, I went backwards sometimes. Yes, it was really, really, really hard, but I was mentally in a space where I knew that I never wanted to go back to crying in my car outside of the gym. Wow. I mean, it's it's crazy that you mentioned, you know, the the whole crying in your car outside of the gym, because I mean, I had a moment like that too. In my early twenties, it was kind of more so like in part because of a breakup and also midway through college. And I think just when you're sharing that, I resonate a lot because I'm like, I remember that breaking point, you know? And it makes me wonder for you, do you, did you realize as well that as somewhat lonely it can feel initially that it was best for you to go through that journey more or less on your own versus like trying to, I guess, almost distract yourself with excessive socializing or, or maybe dating even, or like handhold from parents? Like, what was that process like for you? Because I think sometimes girls listening, they realize there is there is a personal journey that they, they need to go on. But there's this fear of like, how do I do this by myself, right? But in my opinion, I think the reality is a lot of us, us two included, we had to, it's almost like you kind of have to do it on your own to get to yeah. the other side, but there's everyone else waiting for you that's kind of gone through that as well. Yeah, I think for me, I am not close with either of my parents. I did not have help from anyone in my family when I was at that point in college. Um, So I was kind of alone and I knew that the only way I was going to get through it and be headed in the direction that I wanted to go on, that I wanted my life to go on, I had to do it alone. And I remember it was terrifying. But what I kept thinking in the back of my mind is what's scarier? Staying right here where you are, miserable, sad, anxious, depressed, crying in your car, or taking a leap of faith and going in the direction of unknown but endless possibilities. And I literally decided to apply for this scholarship to go to the Institute of Code, which is in Bali. 
because I wanted to get as far away from everyone in the noise as I possibly could. And I'm not, everybody has to book a trip to Bali to find yourself, but I knew that I needed to get away. I knew I was smart. I applied for the scholarship. I got it. And I went, I booked a ticket and I literally went to Bali. I attended this school. I met amazing friends. And I swear to you from that moment on, I came back with this just like drive and understanding of who I was. I was ready to be independent. I was ready to be strong. I was ready to hear no a thousand times and still keep going. Mm. How long did you go there for? A few months. Okay, a few months. And you were there like completely on your own and you didn't know anyone. Like what was that process like then in terms of, you know, new culture, you know, being out of the country and also like learning to, because how old were you at that point then? 21 or 22? 22. Okay, yeah. So that's like a solid age, I think, for everyone to experience like something like that. But what did you, like what was the huge takeaway for you in I think like what you were exposed to at that time that you feel like without that, it would be very different for you now in your mid late twenties. So I went there and the place I was staying at, so in Bali, um, there are a lot of things that are very illegal. So first of all, it was just a different like experience of like, when I went to this place we were staying at, I was ready to be the health of myself. They offered 6am yoga. I would wake up every morning at 6am and do yoga. I didn't drink alcohol. They would make us fresh food every day. We had classes. So we like had to show up. I was in a room. I lived with three other girls in like this big room inside of a villa. And one was from India and one was from Australia. And then there were people from all over the world staying in the villa with us. And so to just hear their stories, their experiences, and know that like, even if their experiences weren't my experiences we were all going through something and we had all come to this island to find something and there was so much Mm. magic in that that I really just started taking time to focus on who am I who is Caitlin without the noise what does she really want and how can she start showing up for herself Mm. and you know Bali's an amazing place to do that people are very spiritual there it's all about community spirituality it's about nature you're always out in nature I just needed that at that point in my life, I needed that. Okay, the first thing that comes to mind when you're sharing that, it's a little bit of a tangent of a question, but I'm curious to know, do you think, or I guess maybe I'll rephrase it, how important do you think that kind of experience of learning to be independent, you know, from early 20s, right? Learning to be uncomfortable, right? In, in a culture, in an environment that you know no one, you don't know anything, no one's there for you. How do you think that parlayed over into your dating life then in your 20s and even into your relationship now? And I'm curious just because I, of course, have my own opinion of believing that it's it's very ideal and pertinent to learn how to be comfortable like that, especially as a yeah. female, on your own as yeah. early as possible so that when you get into a relationship, right, it's less likely that you spiral into that unhealthy codependency and like I love that you're nodding your head because like I think it's like if you know you know right so I'm curious to know like what's your take on that um, especially since you experienced that at 22. So before I went to Bali I was in a very very toxic unhealthy relationship I literally became someone I didn't recognize I became that person, a version of myself. I never even could have imagined me, this strong, independent woman being. 
and you don't see it. You don't see it when you're in it, but when you're on the other side of it, you're like, oh my goodness, what was I doing? And when I went to Bali and I found myself and and I, and I knew I I went to this country almost as far away on the globe as I could possibly go by myself, no help. I paid for it myself. I met people from all over the world. I wasn't scared. Even if I like was scared a little bit, I I still went, you know, like at the end of the day, facing your fears is what gets you to that next place in life. Now I'm not telling you to go do crazy things. I'm just saying like face your fears head on because sometimes those fears are what's going to level up your life in that next session of life. And so when I came back from Bali, I completely did not ever go back to that relationship. It was one of those relationships that you keep going back to, even though you know how toxic it is, even though you know how horrible you are together. And I was done. I I knew that I was totally fine by myself. And then the next time when I had a relationship, it was so healthy because I knew who I was. I was independent. I was free. I took care of myself. I didn't need them. I wanted yeah. them. It's a very yeah. different thing. Need and want are so different. And in my horrible relationship, I needed them. In my yeah. amazing relationship now, I want it. Yeah. Oh, that 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 hits home for me too, because it's it's one of those things that I feel like is it's like a, if you know, you know, type of thing. And it's also something that I heavily encourage through this podcast, just of learning the small things you can do as a woman on your own, right? Like even the small things like going to a coffee shop by yourself. Because if you think about it, I can certainly speak for myself. I've seen girlfriends in my own circle where like, hey, I'm going to the bathroom. You want to come? And it's like this, right? Yeah. It's like this subconscious thing where we need to do it with someone else, even if it's with another girlfriend of ours. Like, it's just like having company, right? And so I look at it now at the age of 26 in New York and having lived in LA, it's like the longer you prolong that, right? (laughs) And not just knowing how to, you know, travel a little bit by yourself or go to dinner even by yourself, like enjoy solitude on your own. I mean, again, like I experienced what you had similarly as well, just the 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 independence at early 20s and so like now I learned that here but everyone's always asking like how do you get to that point and it's literally exactly what you're sharing it's it's learning how to be comfortable and independent so that you get to a healthy point when you meet a partner right and then I think as well um when you're independent to that level you re- you see the unhealthy patterns from someone else a lot faster because you are so accustomed to being secure and independent on your own. You're like, okay, I'm not going to welcome this kind of energy <laughs> into my life. So I, it, it, that really hits home for me with what you shared. Yeah, I think it's also, it's kind of what you said a second ago. It's it's getting, the, the biggest thing I had to learn was getting comfortable being really uncomfortable. Because there is no magic remedy that's going to just make you independent and make you be able to be on your own like that's not how it works you have to learn to be Mm -hmm. uncomfortable or be comfortable with being uncomfortable it's gonna be really (laughs) uncomfortable there are things I do now at 29 that I'm still uncomfortable doing but I do them I show up and every single time even just like a podcast like this the first one you do might feel really uncomfortable, but the next one and the next one, you become seasoned, you become more comfortable with it and you get better. That's life. With anything you do, you're going to get better. 
could speaking of that, could you share a few examples over the past few years that you've done, like even small daily things that you have seen kind of add up in almost building and keeping that muscle of healthy independence and security in yourself that like other girls could maybe even do like tomorrow, you know? Yes. When me and my boyfriend moved to Miami, we just, I decided that I needed some more independence from our relationship because we've been together five years. Like we've been together a long time and you can easily go into that bubble of like comfortability and it's really unhealthy. Like, yes, you should love your, your significant other and you should spend a lot of time with them, but there is something to be said about having your independence and your own identity and not letting that get lost along the way. And the number one thing I did when I moved there is I made sure I had a really good core group of friends that I could go and have girls nights with, that I could go and have, they could come over and have dinner and wine night, like whatever it was, was my time. I didn't have to share that with my significant other. That was girl time. That was for me. And that has been essential to making me feel healthier and happier, having those relationships that are my own. That I didn't build as a couple. And then, I mean, there's so many other yeah. things I've done over the past few years. I started journaling a couple years ago. And I'm telling you, no matter in what format you journal in, just start writing. Just start writing down one thing, two things, yeah. three things that you're grateful for, that you set goals for the next day, that you're you accomplished that day. Just write things down. That has helped mm-hmm. so much with my mental health seeing those little wins every Mm -hmm. single day and building that gratitude practice, it will help you feel over time so much healthier and happier. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Yeah, no, I'm huge in agreement with journaling as well. I think that's something I've done in recent years too, just jotting out daily thoughts, even even if it's like I only have five minutes. It makes a huge difference. And I have to say, especially I'm in a relationship as well. And, you know, I think especially when you are in a relationship and, you know, you are someone, especially as a female, wanting to create your own life and create your own identity and like build something, whether it is like a small business or whether it's being a creator or whatever that is, right? Or like diving into health, which we'll definitely talk about in a second. Like, I think all of that is so important to have on your own. And I think some people, like for me, I know if I was 22 listening to this, I'd be like, oh, wow, these are great reminders, you know, because like we go through our day and we we hear this on a podcast and then months go by, we haven't heard that again. I think these are the small reminders. Like, I know I certainly need it back then. So I'm glad you're saying that right now. And I think what helped me, if anyone's listening and they're like, man, you know, it's hard. The older I get, it's, if I'm not in college anymore, it's harder to find friends. It's harder to make friends. The number one tip I can give you is join groups in your community. When I moved to Miami, when we bought our place, we got our place here in Nashville, I joined local groups on Facebook, on Instagram. You can find local girl groups. There's entrepreneur groups. There's keep girls who work out. There's like yeah. hot girl walks. There's so yeah. many things in every city now. Join a group, get uncomfortable or get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Get out there, go yeah. say hi to someone like 
It's the little things you can make friends right now. You're just comfortable with where you're at. 100%. I could not agree more with you. And that's exactly what I did as well. When I moved to New York, I I love to do like 7am yoga, I love to go to soul cycle, things like that. I'm a huge active girl. So for me, I've always told people, if you see a girl that like seems like your vibe, and she's in your 7am soul cycle too, maybe there's a chance you guys have a similar lifestyle, right? And like, you guys are likely able to go to the next class together. Like it's just someone's got to introduce themselves, you know, it's just having the guts to be a little uncomfortable and say like, hey, like, do you come here often? You know, my best friend in Miami, she's freaking amazing. I love her so much. We met at a 7 a.m. Pilates class and she <laughs> asked me about my activewear set. She's, you know, and then we just started talking and I oh kid you not, we we lived next to but like a building apart from each other. And we realized that. And that day she invited me to dinner and it was her birthday dinner with her best friends the day I met her. And we're still obviously like best friends to this day, but it's like, you never know what's going to come out of telling someone, Hey, I love your set. How's your day going? I love how you also are like relatable. It's like, yes, this happened at a 7 a.m. Pilates class. (laughs) Yes. It is such a thing, though. It is such a thing, especially if you are a morning person going to an early morning class and you see a girl like within like, you know, your type of, I don't know, community Activity. or vibe, right? Yeah. It's like it, it definitely adds up. And it's just it's I'm so glad you shared that example. But um, I do want to switch gears into talking about health and nutrition, a lot of your background. Can you share how you shifted? Okay, you go from modeling and years of that, the ups and downs to realizing, okay, this might be unfulfilling for me long term. And how did you make your slow shift into health and and wellness? So when I finally got my health and wellness under control at about the age of 22, 23, um, I did have a really successful modeling career um, Mm -hmm. for the next years that followed. I moved to LA, modeled out there for many years. And I did love it, you know, for a long time, but I reached a point um, during COVID actually, where I just felt like something was missing. And, you know, I I went on this deep dive search of soul searching and figuring out again, because the thing in life is just because you figure it out when you're 22, you're going to have to figure it out again when you're 26 and when you're 34 and when you're always figuring out who you are and it changes and it's okay. It's great. You're evolving, you're growing. Mm -hmm. So I had my mental break. I had my like, you know, breakdowns. I'm crying to my boyfriend, like what's wrong with me? Why do I, why do I feel this way? And he's like, nothing's wrong with you. You just like clearly want something else. And that's totally okay. And he was right. You know, I always had a love for health and nutrition and I hadn't realized it yet, but I had spent all those years pulling myself out of such a dark place through health and nutrition. I didn't Mm. realize what I had done, that I was my first client. Mm. And when it clicked, I, I met someone who introduced me to IIN, which is the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. It's actually based in New York, and that's what I attended. So it's an integrated holistic health coaching program. And I just fell in love with the idea. I didn't even know what health coaching was. I didn't know it existed, but Mm. I fell in love with the concept of going back to school for health and nutrition and helping people. And I just did it. I just took the leap of faith. I enrolled in school. I did the accelerated program. And it was one of those things where 
my intuition kept telling me that I was on the right track because Mm -hmm. everything was falling into place. And I don't mean it was easy. I just mean doors kept opening up, other opportunities kept arising. And I found that I was really passionate about it and I was really good at it. And it's Mm -hmm. like when you, your passions and something you're good at, they align, it just feels right. And so for the last two years, I was going back to school, getting my certifications, my accreditations, um, and opening my business. And it's been an amazing journey. And I've already helped dozens of women all over the world feel healthier, happier, and more confident through holistic health practices. I've been a big, you know, obviously you can probably tell too, living when you live in LA and like, it's like one of the, another thing, if you know, you know, if you live in LA, everything is so health focused out there. You know, I lived near Venice beach. So it's, it's one of those things like everyone's super. Oh, did you where, what part of. We own a house um in the canals, in the private canal off Harbor. Oh my gosh. I love going on walks there. I lived over there for like two years and I lived in Orange County prior, but you know, it's sunny all the time. There's great food and like super, super holistic, you know, nutrition oriented lifestyle out there. And that's probably the one thing I miss the most about California. But that being said, I feel like for me, having gone to college out there and then living out there a little bit after school, I was like already in that lifestyle really early on but if you had one like biggest holistic health tip that you could give for anyone listening right now that wants to slowly make that shift of being a better practitioner what's maybe one or two things that you would say is the easy like you can implement tomorrow and do you just mean speaking to like the general public what is one thing you can do right now that's going to instantly help you get started on your health journey yeah like something simple so they can go towards that direction I think it it depends. I like to tell people, whatever you like the most, start there. So if it's, if you enjoy working out, if you enjoy nutrition, if you enjoy a morning routine or evening routine, if you enjoy mindfulness practices, start there. Don't you don't start with your least favorite activity. If you're like, I hate working out, don't start at working out because that's going to be the hardest thing for you to incorporate into your life to be healthier. But if you're like, I really enjoy eating healthy foods, I just have to put more thought behind it. And I need to like, just be better about planning and prepping than there. So number one, only pick something that you're excited about and that you'll actually enjoy doing because if not, you'll get bored, you'll burn yourself out and you'll give up. And then Mm. once you find the area you're most excited about, pick one thing. Don't overcomplicate it. This is not a fast process. Progress is slow, but progress lasts versus Mm -hmm. those fast results from yo-yo dieting or quick fixes or shots and pills and all those things. Um, so incorporate one thing. If you say you want to work on your routines, maybe your morning routine, start with this morning. I'm going to work. I'm going to wake up 15 minutes earlier. So I have more time in the morning to start my routine, to create a routine, maybe to journal. Maybe it's, you just want to do your skincare. Those little steps will compound. That is how Mm -hmm. you one, make money and two, create a life you love compound effect. Oh, that's huge. And and I feel like the, the thing is too, a lot of people struggle with 
actually approaching it with the easiest step, right? Like the small thing of like some, some, someone might be thinking, oh, waking up 15 minutes earlier than my normal time is, is not going to do much, right? But okay, then maybe let's, let's counter that argument. It's like, okay, what's, what, what does like over compound when, at what point would you say is a easier, I guess, next step of, okay, after you've done, you know, let's say your normal wake up time is seven and then you have moved it to 645 for the past two weeks, right? At what point would you say is like another like next tier if you were like almost walking someone through that small nitty gritty process? Yeah. And I want to first say to anyone who thinks 15 minutes isn't a lot, 15 minutes over seven days is 90 extra minutes. You have do things for yourself. Multiply that by four, multiply Mm -hmm. that by 52 That's an incredible amount of time you've now created in your schedule to do healthier things. So once you've created Mm -hmm. that extra 90 minutes every week, you've got those extra 15 minutes in the morning, then you create a routine. You pick two or three things that you think you'll enjoy. I like to say everybody should have a mindfulness practice. Everybody should do something that involves self-care and everybody should move their body. So if you can incorporate those three things into your morning routine successfully, maybe that's five minutes of journaling, five minutes of meditation, five minutes of walking outside and getting sunlight on your face for self-care. Maybe it's your skincare. Maybe it's an ice roller for three minutes. Maybe putting on a cute outfit that makes you feel good before you go to the gym. For movement, it's getting up and making a promise to yourself that before you do anything, turn your phone on, turn it off of sleep mode or do not disturb. You're going to move your body. It can be for five minutes or it can be for 45 minutes. It doesn't matter as long as you make that promise to yourself and you show up for yourself at home, at the gym, on a walk, whatever it is, just get up and get moving. Speaking of morning routines, could you share what yours is? Like, I love morning routines. I know my audience definitely loves morning routines. And I think when I used to listen to a lot of people's, it motivated me as well to like find nitty gritty things to shift. And I'm a 6 a.m. morning girl, but like, I would love to hear what your process is and things that maybe if anything to if they change a little bit over the weekend, like kind of like a realistic morning routine, if you will. Yeah. So Monday through Fridays, when I'm working, I'm up at 6am first alarm, I have to get up because I'm the girl if I lay back down, I will just go back to sleep and be so groggy when I wake up. My gym clothes are set out the night before or I just I have all my gym clothes coded into their sets in a drawer. So I just grab them. You know, I just grab one, throw it on. I don't want to have to think about it because if I have to think about it, it causes a moment of doubt that I could get back into bed. Put the workout set on. My phone is in sleep mode. I do not turn my phone off sleep mode until 8 a.m. Normally on a work day. 7.30 if I'm expecting like an 8 a.m. call. Um, I go, I do my skincare. I make my uh, matcha latte and then I go work out. I either work out at home or I work out at a gym. As soon as I'm done with my Mm -hmm. workout, I make my breakfast. I get usually at least 20 grams of protein. Right now I'm doing two eggs two pieces of sausage and a sweet potato for breakfast um, because I'm really working on balancing my hormones. And for anyone listening, you want to get anywhere between 15 and 30 grams of protein with your breakfast as soon as you wake up or as soon as you're done with your workout. And that's going to help you keep your hormones in check and balance and your cortisol levels low. 
um, eat my breakfast and then I go, it depends on my day. If I'm filming on camera, I'll usually go shower, change, get ready real quick. And then I start my day. Mm -hmm. I usually have a whole day of interviews or filming or course creation or social media content or marketing emails, um, all those things. I have to do every single bit of that Monday through Friday because I want to take my weekends off. I don't want to be on my computer if I don't have to. And then on the weekends, I shift a little bit. I usually try to sleep in until around like 7.30. Um, And then I do the same routine. I Right now I'm doing a 75 day challenge. So I'm working out every day, but in a normal life, I usually take one or two days off a week. So normally that's one of my weekend days. And then I, you know, it's a slower process. I'm not in a rush on the weekends. So, you know, it's a, it's a long walk with my dog getting sun on my Mm -hmm. face. It's spending time with my boyfriend or going to brunch with a friend. Like it's very slow. I still do the things that make me feel good, but I do them in a much slower pace because I know I don't have eight hours of work ahead of me. Yeah. Okay. It's, I love that you shared that because our routines are very similar. I'm the exact same way with like 6am during the week and very much like a 730 girl, like on the weekends, sometimes eight, but I do want to push back to, okay. Cause I'm curious myself, you mentioned the protein intake and then the impact on hormones and all that. And that's something I, my boyfriend's very, very health conscious, like super, like always pushing protein and everything too. And I know the benefits of course, but you shared the impact on hormones, which I have heard, but I don't know as much detail on. Could you share a little bit of insight into like why that is relevant, especially for women listening and things that they might not have known about how certain levels of protein or like lack of protein or lack of a certain amount of protein, right? How is that affecting their health that they might have no clue about? Yeah. So protein or amino acids are the building blocks of literally everything in your body. So Mm -hmm. if you don't get enough protein, your body cannot build, it cannot repair and it cannot recover. And that is the same for your hormones. There have been so many studies done and it's proven for women that lower intake of protein in the morning severely affects your hormone levels and your cortisol levels. So especially for my girlies who wake up and drink coffee first thing in the morning, there is tons of studies. You can look up many studies, but the effect of caffeine on an empty stomach and your hormones, it's horrible to do. So you need to eat 15 Mm. to 30 grams of protein within, they, they recommend within 90 minutes of waking up. I think If you work out in the morning, you could do it as soon as after you work out. That seems to work really well for me. You know, we're individual. There's going to be small things that work for some people that maybe other people, it's slightly different. But the general recommendation is no heavy caffeinated coffee beverage on an empty stomach. Make sure within the first 90 to 120 minutes, you're getting in 15 to 30 grams of protein. Um, And I think a lot of women, they're like, oh, I can have two eggs. Two eggs is 12 grams of protein. That's it. You need more than that. So you need to add in some sort of like, if you're vegetarian, it could be tofu. If you're not vegetarian, it could be sausage or bacon or um, steak leftover for the night before or chicken or whatever you like. There's so many options. You add in two things of that and you're already up to 20 grams of protein. Okay, so 15 to 30 in the morning, right? Grams are okay. And and what yeah. specifically that the morning, because you mentioned something about how it it does it's more impactful, especially in the morning. Like, is there like a specific correlation to the morning or just a daily intake in general? It's 
there's a daily intake you should be getting, but because breakfast is the first meal of the day, it's yeah. the first thing that your body is receiving. It's really important that we get that essential number in in the morning to get our body started on repair, rebuild cycle as soon as we wake up. Wow. Okay. And because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like I definitely only eat like two, two and a half eggs because especially if I'm like making you know, like six eggs with my boyfriend, he's usually probably eating like four. Like, four. You know, it's like in the that's whole pan, right? right? Yeah, he's eating four, I'm eating two. And I'm like sitting here calculating my intake as you're speaking. I'm like, huh, I'm like lacking of it. We need more. We as women, we always think we need less or we think we're full, but we need more protein than we actually think we need because it's literally the building blocks of our entire body. If you have trouble, Getting in your protein intake, I highly recommend supplementing with a healthy protein drink option, like a protein powder, because it is hard for women to eat a lot of protein. We do fill up faster. Mm -hmm. We do eat more frequently because of our our, um, sugar levels, our cortisol levels, just the way our bodies work versus men who might intermittent fast or eat three really big meals a day. Um, We operate a little bit differently as women. So if you can't get to that targeted amount or you're a busy person, I would recommend doing a protein smoothie or protein shake in the morning after your workout, because that will help you get in the grams of protein that you need without having to eat a big meal. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, so like, do you consistently for the most part eat and and have your intake after your workout? So are you also working out on an empty stomach as well? Because I work out so early, I usually work out on an empty stomach. Like I said, I have a matcha latte I do not do coffee on an empty stomach, but I'll do matcha because it's a, it's about 25 grams of caffeine okay. versus 130 in, you know, a, or a coffee or whatever. So it doesn't affect me to anyone who's like, you know, when I drink coffee on an empty stomach, I get anxiety. Maybe you sweat, maybe you feel different when you drink coffee mm-hmm. on an empty stomach. You're also suppressing your appetite when you drink coffee on an empty stomach. Yeah. So then you're elongating that period between when you drink the coffee and when you get your first meal and that that's not good. You, you need the energy. I highly recommend getting complex carbs in the morning because simple carbohydrates are going to break down in 30 minutes versus complex carbs are going to break down in four or five hours. Wow. Okay. This is good stuff to know. And like, I ask for myself too, because I work out in the morning and sometimes it's like, I either I'm at the gym doing Pilates or I'm like playing tennis, like, you know, a full yeah. on match. Right. So it's crazy for me to think about like how more mindful I need to be on having that intake and having specifics like set after especially like a tennis match because I'm sitting there thinking oh like I I can think of days where I've only had maybe I don't know like two eggs for sure after like an hour and a half of tennis and I I can imagine that's just not enough (laughs) and think about that I mean two eggs it's not very many calories it's (laughs) you know it's it's 12 grams of protein but that's you're getting 12 grams of protein probably in like the first what five hours you're awake all you're Mm. really having. And then it's like, what are you actually eating for lunch and dinner to make up for that? It's just the compound effect of getting enough protein for breakfast every single day. Also getting in healthy fats for breakfast, getting in complex carbohydrates. It's going to not only be good for rebuilding, repairing and recovery, but it's going to be good for your brain health, brain fog, mental clarity, um, stamina, energy levels, all those things. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like I don't hear, you know, a lot of 
females especially and I mean I know this is your expertise but like I just don't hear this from women like sharing this with other women often so I love this information but I think that also parlays over into how you know there's a lot of things on social media whether it's TikTok or Instagram reels where there's just not a lot of legit information coming out of there and I would love for you to touch on that quickly on what have you seen about like quote-unquote TikTok health trends that are clearly not accurate or maybe certain ones are but there's a caveat like what's what's been your take I think especially on I see here like the chili girl walks right or even hot girl walks whatever there's so many terms for it but like what's your take on certain trends so I think some of the craziest things I've seen on social media are I don't know if you've there's been funny videos going around making fun of it now basically being like, I don't even know what to eat in 2024 because there are people coming out and saying that (laughs) eggs are unhealthy, oats are unhealthy, milk, like all of these things that we once thought were healthy or unhealthy. And it's like, who is, who, what are we basing healthy and unhealthy off of? Because what Mm -hmm. people are forgetting is, or what people maybe don't understand and what I learned so much about in my school is you have to be connected to who you are and what your body needs because your body my body and everybody's bodies who are listening are going to operate on different levels we have different needs Mm -hmm. we have different genetics we come from different parts of the world we are different and so why would we think that one thing is going to be the same for everyone so all Mm -hmm. of these videos on tiktok where Maybe you watch something, but you know nothing behind the science. Somebody's just telling you, do your research. TikTok is not a trusted source of information. Instagram is not a trusted source of information. I think we've reached a point in our world where people don't read enough. People don't educate. People don't Mm -hmm. ask questions. People just want to believe what they hear. And that is, that is what's going to kill this generation is not asking questions, not being open to having conversations. I'm not always right. Yeah. You're not always right, but I'm open to hearing the other side and really listening, not just like, oh, I'll hear you talk, but I'm not listening. No, I want yeah. to understand why you think these things. And then I want to know the science and the reasoning behind it so I can understand. And that's a huge thing for me too, is I'm, I'm on the, I, I would lean a little bit more logical. And I think I'm always, when I'm seeing all these different things, whether it's like even something that I don't know if you have an opinion on, but like, I've seen a lot of like this mouth taping stuff, right? And, and you like, I don't know, oh you my gosh. Like, but there to me, I'm like, what's, what's the science behind it? Like, what's the proven impact? And, and mind you, like, I listen to people like Huberman and, and, you know, and I, right. And so I'm like, look, I hear a lot of things and this is kind of like overload for me. Right. So what I'm at a point where like, Hey, what, what's in, what's not like, is this legit? (laughs) It's like, you can go on such a deep dive into biohacking, which is what I'm going to, we're going to call taping your mouth is a biohacking mechanism to tap into certain modalities in your body is what I'm assuming. Um, I haven't done a deep yeah. dive on the research yeah. on it. I actually just found out about it, you know, maybe a couple months ago that people were actually doing this and that companies were actually selling this yeah. product. And the first thought I wow. have in my mind is I would have so much anxiety with my mouth taped sh- shut, just trying to like breathe and open like I'm already getting anxiety thinking about it. it, 
I just, yeah. you know, maybe there is real science behind it. I would have to do a deep dive before I felt comfortable telling someone yes or no. But I think, again, it's one of those things. Do your research. Don't right. just because someone on Instagram said that it was a really good idea. Right. Don't just buy it and do it. Because I have heard the complete opposite argument where people are saying yeah. it's dangerous and you should do it. And it's caused people's face to paralysis. Yeah. And so I'm like, Make sure when there's two right. sides of a coin and one's really, really good and one's really, really bad, that you do your due diligence before you just jump into something like a biohacking thing that's been around for a year. I'm I'm so on I'm so aligned with what you're sharing too, because I think that's the thing is there's a lot, I feel like a lot of people are jumping into modern day biohacking and trying to share a lot of it, right? That's kind of my terminology. And so I think it's like, all right, be mindful of what you're intaking as like real practice. And I think for me coming from an athletic background as a former tennis player and figure skater, I feel like I take it more from uh, let me see like specifically how the performance is as athletes versus, oh, I saw this on Instagram. So I'm going to implement it. Like now I'm going to sleep at night with tape on it. That's like, oh, is that, is that good for you? I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like there's other ways to be healthy and happy. But again, if it's something you're really interested in and it excites you, more power yeah. to you. Just do your research. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up here in a second, but I wanted to ask, because we touched on morning routines, can you share one or two things that you have found really helpful in your evening routine, whether that's, you know, going to bed by a certain time or anything that helps you fall asleep or anything that you used to do and you realize, okay, that was putting a stump to my evening routines, anything you could share? Yes. One, don't try to be perfect because if you try to have the perfect routine, you will fail. I've, I've yeah. tried, I've had routines and I'm like, well, this is what people say is the most, the most like beneficial. So I'm going to do that. And I'm like, that doesn't work for me. Do what works for you. And then I have a hard stop. So I, I have a non-negotiable 9 PM is my non-negotiable wind down time. There's no more emails. There's no more phone calls. There's it's me. I'm going to my room, I'm doing my self-care, I'm writing in my journal, I'm reading my 10 pages of my book, I'm I'm relaxing, I'm putting on my pajamas, maybe I'm I'm showering and just doing that whole routine. It just just calming down my nervous uh nervous system, calming down my body, my brain, my thoughts. Um maybe I'll write down the things that happened that day and then I like to watch 10 minutes of something really funny before I go to bed. And that's just me. Some people say you shouldn't watch TV before bed. It messes with your sleep. I'm like, I sleep like a baby. And so I read a book before I watch the TV because I feel like it relaxes me and I enjoy it. But I also am not going to take away my little pleasures in life. I'm not sitting there watching TV for two hours. I'm sitting there watching 10 minutes before I go to bed. And I really enjoy that. And it's going to change. There are seasons to your life and there are seasons to your routine. My routine is a living, breathing organism and I change it all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that you, you specifically were like saying how it changes over time, right? Because again, like no one is staying stagnant, right? We're all going to change and evolve. And my routine when I was 23 is different than 26 and whatnot. So I, I love that you're so transparent with that because I think sometimes people forget 
and are holding people who share their expertise like to the standard of like oh you said this one time it's like yeah but like things change and like people evolve you know yeah so it's it's I I love that transparency yeah I think it's really important that no matter where you are who you are you understand your routines your workouts the food you eat how you live your life your career your relationships they're all gonna change because yeah. you are changing, you are growing, yeah. you are evolving. And as such, everything around you will change, grow and evolve. Now you that, yeah. that can be for the better or the worse, but you decide. A hundred percent, 100 percent. Last question. It's something I ask every guest on this show. But in reflecting everything you've experienced, uh, you know, from the initial quote unquote rejection when you were 18 and the highs and lows of that and discovering your love for nutrition and wellness, what would you say ultimately fulfills you in life? I think I'm learning as I get older connection. Connection is one of the most important things to me. And I felt really disconnected for a long time from other people, from myself, from my career, from my relationships. And now at 29 years old, I feel so connected to what I want, mm. the, the career that I want, the relationship that I want, the friendships that I cultivated, that I made, that I want. And I think connection is yeah. what fulfills me. It's it's what gives me life. And then I'm able to give that to other people. Oh, I feel so aligned with your responses because I really feel like we've seen very similar experiences and have had similar takeaways. So I'm so glad we had this conversation, but I would love if people could actually follow you, check out what you're doing and check out tips from you. Can you share your social media, your website, anything that they can find you from? Yes, I'm Caitlin Shay Spears on all social media platforms. If you DM me the word ready, I will send you my free guide, um, completely free. You can download it directly from your DMs. And then my website, if you want to reach out, connect with me, apply to work with me. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, group coaching. I have a lot of different opportunities. It's just CaitlinSpears.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. This was so awesome to chat with you and share all your insights. I really feel like this was such a insightful, healthy, focused older sister conversation. And I just know, I know it's so funny, but I know the girls will love this conversation. You touched on everything and thank you so much again for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been great. And that was all for today's episode with Caitlin Spears. I hope you guys enjoyed this health and wellness focused conversation. And if you did, please be sure to rate and review the podcast, share this with a friend, and of course, share this on your Instagram story and tag both of us. You can tag the podcast Instagram at what fulfills you, and you can find Caitlin on social media, her links are in the show notes and her website is also linked in the show notes in case you're interested in working with her. Thanks again for tuning in today. I would chat with you all in the next episode. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.